Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 2415. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, Networld, and thank you for tuning in. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6 as we continue in our Back to the Basics series of the Elementary Principles of Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. And of course, as you know, we added a seventh stone called the cornerstone, Jesus Christ himself, out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. The King James Bible calls them elementary doctrines. And in our previous session, we covered the resurrection of the dead. So today, we're going to continue on the last stone being the elementary principle of eternal judgment. In Acts chapter 17, verse 31, it says this, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. I like that scripture because it gives us the last stone, the raising him from the dead, and tells us about the one we're studying today, about the appointed day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. You see, Jesus Christ is the righteous judge. We must realize that Christ is not only righteous, but he's also a judge. You put these together, and we get a righteous judge. In Matthew 24, 27 through 31, it says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. You see, he left in the clouds, and in the rapture, we will meet him in the clouds, and he will be returning in the clouds. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And that's Jesus. 
And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Well, that's us. Verse 15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that's the word of God, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Someone might ask, will he really send the wicked to hell? Well, listen to this. In Psalm 9:17, it says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. You see, judgment and hell are real, but what's very important to realize is that Matthew 25, 41 says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was never prepared for God's people. No, it was only prepared for the devil and his angels. The purpose of the everlasting fire, or hell itself, is still not for man. So man has a choice. Are we going to follow God and receive his forgiveness and go to heaven? Or will we die in our sins? Isaiah 66, 24 says, And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of men who have transgressed against me, for their worm does not die, and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. You see, hell is eternal just the same as heaven. There are two end-time judgments. The first judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. It's designed for those who are saved, have died, or been raptured. The second is the great white throne judgment, which is for all of those who are not saved. Let's talk about the judgment seat of Christ for those who are saved. 2 Corinthians 5, 6-11 through 11 says, So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. As we can see, he's talking about Christians here. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. The Liberty Bible Commentary, Volume 2, it says this about the judgment seat of Christ. Only those who are born-again believers will stand before the Bema Seat of Christ. That's also another name for the Judgment Seat of Christ. The purpose of the Bema Seat, or the Judgment Seat, is to make a public manifestation of the essential character and motives of the individual Christian. The believer's works are brought into judgment, called the things done in his body. That's out of 2 Corinthians 5.10. In order that it may be determined whether they are good or bad. This judgment is not to determine what is ethically good or evil, but rather that which is acceptable and that which is worthless or unprofitable to the work of Christ. The results of the judgment are twofold. Number one, a reward received, or number two, a reward lost. If a man's work remains undamaged by the fire, accordingly he receives rewards. If a man's work does not endure, and is consumed in the fire, then he shall suffer loss. Everything he has devoted himself to in this life, 
those things done in his own strength and for his own glory shall be burned up suddenly. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. That's out of 1 Corinthians 3.15. It's important to notice that such a man does not suffer the loss of his salvation, but the loss of reward. The stress is not on a man's relationship to Christ, but upon service to Christ. Here's an interesting quote I heard. I don't want to get there and the Lord says, oh, it's you, come on in. I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So the judgment seat of Christ is about our works that we've done, not our bad works, but our works of righteousness. And there'll be rewards for some. Some will get more rewards than than others. But I don't have a problem with that because we'll all be rewarded for the things that we have done. And we will all get to heaven if we've made Jesus the Lord of our lives. So the judgment seat of Christ also is a judgment that you're righteous and you belong in heaven because your sins have been forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Now the second judgment is the great white throne judgment and that's found in Revelation 20 and 12 through 15. It says, And I saw the dead, small and great. See, that's the dead, not the living like us. Uh, The dead being the lost and the living being the saved. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. This is the dead, or the lost, not the ones who were saved, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The day of the Lord or the return of Christ will be great to some and dreadful to others. In Malachi 4, 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. You see, when the Lord returns, it's going to be great to some, and that's those who are saved, those who have received Jesus as their Lord. But it's not going to be a very nice day. It will be a dreadful day to those who did not receive Jesus as their Lord. You see, it'll be light to some, But darkness to others, the book of Amos 5 and verse 18 says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It'll be darkness and not light. It'll be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or as though he went into a house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? And so that's the dreadful day of the Lord. For those who are lost. You see Matthew 10 28 says. And do not fear those who kill the body. But cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him. Who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Psalm 50 talks about God being the righteous judge. Psalm 51 talks about a prayer of repentance. And Psalm 52 talks about the end of the wicked. And the peace of the godly. Let's read Psalm 50. And verses 22 through 23. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. But whoever offers praises glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Psalm 51, in verses 1 and 2, about a prayer of repentance, it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Oh, that's a good prayer of repentance right there. But Psalm 52 talks about the end of the wicked. 
and the peace of the godly. Psalm 52, verse 1, Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. You'll love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. Selah. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. Selah. The righteous also shall see and fear. And shall laugh at him, saying, He is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches, and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever. I will praise you forever, because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name, for it is good. You see, in John thirteen fourteen, we find those who love him will keep his commandments, not out of law, but out of love. Wow, that's all the time we have today. We'll continue tomorrow with our discussion about eternal judgment. So I look forward to being with you in my next netcast. Mark your calendar, set your clock, and tune in next time as we continue in establishing our foundation with Jesus Christ as our cornerstone. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the Media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.